and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a little about managing soybean cyst nematode. If this is a problem for you, you know what a challenge it can be and what the yield losses can be. And what, in my opinion, makes it the most difficult is it's not consistent across any field. You have hot spots where you lose a bunch of yield and then other areas where it doesn't seem to affect a whole lot. So anyway, we're going to talk today about managing soybean cyst nematode. But right now, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, first question comes in from John. And John said, how do you register for the workshops that you have coming up this winter? And then we've had uh, another question come up too. Do you have to be a farmer? Do you have to be actively farming? All those kinds of things that go along with it. So uh, talk about that for just a minute, Brian. Well, first of all, yeah, we don't care if you're a farmer or what line of work you're in. If you're interested in agriculture, you can certainly attend any of our workshops. They are free, and we are hosting those at our Ag PhD Field Day site in the Morton Center. If you've never been to our Ag PhD Field Day or never been to the Morton Center before, we have a, a big facility. We can hold close to a thousand people. Uh, we uh, we built this. Oh, this is probably I don't know eight years ago or so. Just because we had so much interest in a lot of workshops, and it's way less expensive for us doing it on site, having our meals catered in by Tony's Catering, and just having the flexibility to do a meeting any day we want or a workshop any day we want, and then obviously we have it there for the Ag PhD Field Day as well. So if you're looking for more information on any of our upcoming workshops, you can just go to agphd.com and at that uh, at that website you can register you don't have to register in advance the only reason why we ask you to please do so is just so we have a better idea for headcount so we know how much food to have for that day and how many seats to have set up for that day so anyway that's uh, that's the main reason why we do it but yeah at our uh, so this year we've got a corn workshop a soybean workshop a naturals workshop and a soils clinic that we're doing. We'd really encourage you to attend those in person. We do offer a live stream option if you are, well, anyway, I, I, I'll just say go to agphd.com. We got more of the details there. Hey, thanks for the question, John. Got this one in from Skylar. He said, Hey guys, I'm down in Iowa. I got a fertilizer question for you. I soil tested my field. I've got a variable rate map made from it. Is that map only good for one year? I'm on a four-year soil sampling program. Just wondering, what do I do with the other three years in my corn and soybean rotation? And what do you guys recommend doing for a fertilizer program with soil sampling in this in this case? Okay, so yes, your your map is only going to be good for one year if it's based on soil tests. So, well, quite frankly, if it's based on anything, it's good for one year. And here's the reason why. Because next year, a lot of things could change. So what we would encourage you to do, if you're taking soil tests, is you you base your rates off the soil tests for that year. Okay? Then, in the future, you look at yield. So, in other words, you take your yield map, and then you at least replace what you've removed. Because otherwise, if you don't do that, then you're either guessing or you are putting on the improper amount of fertilizer to get yourself back up to speed where you want. So let me explain this just a little bit further. With the soil test, the object is to figure out, all right, where am I low and where do I need to put fertilizer and get everything up to the level that you want. So that's why we do the variable rate then. 
what we're using now is a program called Verify, that's V-R-A-F-Y, where we don't soil test. So that will generate for us a map for fertilizer application based off yield. So we can replace what we removed. Or we could bump it a little bit, subtract it a little bit, whatever, but it's based off of yield. So we love that. So now we're replacing what we're removing, and then we go soil test again, whatever it is, two years later, four years later, and we're good. All right. Thanks for the question. Um, Mark has a question here about copper. He said, we were talking about using copper in a foliar mix. Just wondering, could you use copper in furrow and would you expect the same type of effects? Well, you got to be real careful with copper in furrow. It can be potentially hard on seed if you get too much there. So that would be one of our fears with that. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Take a look at how much your crop is removing. It's not going to be much. And if you're putting that tiny little amount in furrow, you're probably okay in a lot of cases. But where we get the most questions about copper is from people who go, whoa, you're saying I need to be at two or three parts per million and I'm at 0.1. Okay. You can't be on a build program or much of a build program and put it in furrow. You're going to get into trouble with seed either germination or, I mean, just seedling issues. It's it's too much. You're going to overload. And the other problem with ever building in strips like that or in a band, in effect, is now you're going to have areas where you've got lots of copper, in fact, too much probably, and other areas where you don't have nearly enough. So you're going to have some plants suffering from copper deficiency and other plants suffering from copper excess. So, I mean, you can have some real problems if you did try to build in a band. But no, I I, I, I mean, I, either way, foliar or in furrow, you can't do a lot. Otherwise, copper can negatively impact your plant. You can do some, but you just can't get very carried away. If you want to do a real build program, our suggestion is go broadcast before the crop is out there. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Lance. He said, all right, guys, I'm a small grass hay farmer. I've got some challenging soil conditions. How appropriate would the Neil Kinsey seminar be or your soils clinic? Well, they're both real important. I I guess we just want everyone always to learn as much as you possibly can about soils. If you think about what's the most valuable thing you have on your farm other than you and your family, it's the land. So if you can make that better with proper fertilization, and you're going to be a lot better off. And then the other side of it is whenever you want to fertilize, how do you know what to put out, what not to put out? You don't want to waste your money, but by the same token, you want to invest properly to get a great return. So that's where both Neil's session and our Ag PhD Soils Clinic should be real helpful for you. All right. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at FarmShopMFG.com. 
Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and our topic is soybean cyst nematode. This is a billion dollar pest or more. It's taking a ton of yield and often goes unnoticed. You know, when we have years where there's plentiful rain and everything is great, a lot of farmers that we talk to say, well, man, I, I don't know what happened to the nematodes. Just don't have much problem this year. Well, they're out there. Your crop is just doing so well, it's able to kind of hold up and you don't see the visual symptoms as much. But boy, on a year where it's stressful, where you don't get enough rain, where you get a lot of heat, you have tough conditions, those spots seemingly appear from nowhere. It's like, oh my goodness, I haven't seen that spot for a long time. Yeah, it's been there. They've been there and they've probably been building in populations. And and here you go. Uh, 2023 is a big year. A lot of farmers noticed nematodes more than they ever had. And certainly nematodes are a big issue. So we're going to talk about that on today's program. If you have any questions or want to be part of the conversation, it's 844 844- 44 ag phd got troy bauer with us right now with basf to talk about this how you doing troy great how you doing today well pretty good you know nematodes are one of those things where i I would just love to say well i just have to pick a seed with the right trait and and everything's great or you know i'm just going to put all my money in the seed treatment bank and oh it's just going to be perfect out there no, unfortunately, it's not quite that easy. So what are some of the things we should know about nematodes and, and what are some of the best management practices we can employ as well? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. I think the first thing is uh, folks need to start out with uh, soil samples to determine the level of uh, nematodes they have present in their field. And once they kind of have that, then they need to start a uh, uh uh, management plan around uh, soybean cyst nematodes. And, and just as you alluded to, it's not nearly as easy as selecting a uh, uh, soybean variety or a seed treatment. Oftentimes you'll need to work in combination and make sure you're rotating away from, non, uh, from uh, non-host crops as well uh, to, to really help manage the levels out there. But 
uh, I think you're spot on. Uh, in dry years, uh, you'll you'll see a little bit more damage than what you do in the wet years, even though they're out there uh, reducing yield in all those years. You know, it was kind of interesting when I first got introduced to soybean cyst nematode in our fairly close geography here it was on the corners on fields that had center pivot irrigation. There were guys that, well, I'm putting corn out in the middle, but I'm putting beans in those corners every year because my corn always burns up and, and dies. Well, beans on beans on beans for many, many years. Uh, the nematodes uh, really loved that environment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. A lot, a lot of times with soybeans, this nematodes, I'll be uh, visiting with growers, and uh, they'll say, you know, I've been growing soybeans for a number of years, but I'm, I'm having a hard time getting over this yield plateau. And uh, they don't really realize uh, the level of soybean cyst nematodes they have present in their field and uh, what are some of the steps that they could uh, enact to really help decrease the uh, level of uh, damage that those pests are causing in their fields. You know, you had mentioned several steps here, and I, I like that you started with soil sampling and develop a, a complete management program with variety and trait and all that stuff. And, and you mentioned seed treatment too. And I think this is good. It's kind of like when we talk about sclerotinia white mold that, well, you can't rely just on a fungicide application to stop this. You, you need to do several things along the way to help that fungicide application out. Talk to us about seed treatment options here and what are some other things we can do to, to help them work their best? You bet. Uh, great question. So starting out with uh, some seed treatment options out there, uh, there are some uh, nematocytes that are available in the marketplace as a seed treatment. Olivo is one of those products that uh, actually uh, has uh, uh, it, it, it will, uh, has a high level of efficacy on soybean cyst nematodes and uh, actually kills soybean cyst nematodes. Uh, right around the uh, the base of that root. And uh, so to have a product that's effective is really important to start with. And uh, you'll want to protect that plant root system as much as possible. Uh, the other thing that you can do is there's some biologicals out there, and we sell a product called Poncho Votivo Precise uh, for downstream uh, seed treatment use that will actually uh, uh, live and grow with the soybean root system and provide protection as that root system uh, continues to grow. So uh, depending on the level of uh, pressure you have out there, uh, you'll probably want to start with a product that has a high level of efficacy and then maybe a product that will live and grow with the root system that provides uh, exclusion around that soybean root uh, to help increase uh, yield potential as much as you can with uh, your soybeans in the field. Yeah, thanks for bringing up that natural solution as well, the biological solution. I, I think that's one thing that we're pretty excited about in this industry. There's a lot of work going into this end of of uh, of things, the microbial solution. And obviously there are billions and billions of living things in our soils. As we figure out more of them, we're going to find even better ones that really don't like soybean cyst nematode, even more than we don't like them. And hopefully they, they wipe them out uh, pretty good down the road. Hey, Troy, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the work you guys are doing at BASF, and, and thanks for being on the show. You bet. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Got Daniel Dodge with us right now. He works with Valent. And, and speaking of seed treatments, uh, that's that's one of the specialties at Valent as well. How are you doing, Daniel? Good. How are you guys? Pretty good. Uh, well, I, I like the way we ended there with Troy that, man, if we can just find some biologicals that really don't like these nematodes, that'd sure be another nice thing to add to the program here to get these guys under control because, man, soybean cyst nematode seems to be getting tougher every year. Yeah, uh, I see routine surveys. Uh, a lot of data out of 2021 and 2022 show that, you know, 
of the eight main Midwestern states, like 78% of samples coming from those states had presence of SCN. And at Valent, yeah, we offer a VAOEZ nematicide. It's a plant growth promoting rhizobacterium. And kind of unlike other traditional chemical nematicides, which can be degraded or tied up in the soil, Aveo uh, colonizes the roots and it, and it grows with the plant throughout the season. And, um, you know, it's a really low use rate and a really highly compatible formulation that goes with basically any seed treatment package out there. You know, that's kind of getting to be a really big thing. The seed treatments are, are not quite as simple as they used to be where, oh, there's one or two ingredients in there. Now we're trying to fight a lot of different things with fungicides and insecticides. Uh, some of these, as we would call them, naturals or biological type products uh, and more and more. And compatibility gets to be a big deal. And the other thing that you mentioned there is low use rate. And I think as a lot of our seed ends up being custom treated, like seed corn comes with a treatment on it. And for, for most farmers, they're picking up seed from a seed dealer that already has treatment on it. Uh, you may not realize, but there's only so much real estate on that seed. We can only have so many ounces of product before it just gets to be a well, a drippy mess or a sticky mess in the box. So having a low use rate is is a really good attribute. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in addition to that, um, I did a trial on farm. Uh, you may have been talking about the PI88788 versus kind of the peaking resistances in soybeans for soybean cyst nematode. And we were really interested to see how Aveo EZ does with that, you know, not just as a ease of use formulation, but, you know, is it adding anything to both of these sources of resistance? And we have a, a threshold field out there that I've been cultivating, like you said, soybean cyst nematode on soybean cyst nematode, or soybean cyst, soybeans on soybeans on soybeans to get those uh, SCN populations really high. And um, so, what we found was that, you know, Aveo on top of both of these sources of resistance, you know, it helps it helps control even more nematodes on top of either source of resistance. And it gives us about a, a four to, you know, five bushel increase over top of, you know, either of those things. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a great product all around and, and it's not going to take up a lot of real estate on your seed. You know, with nematodes, they aren't just soybean cyst nematodes. And that's one thing, too, when you talk about Peking versus PI88788. Those are helpful on soybean cyst nematodes, but there are other nematodes out there, too, like root knot nematodes that a lot of our listeners further south in the country are saying, hey, talk more about the root knot nematode issue. It's the real deal down here. we got a big problem. Uh, how does Aveo do on that? Actually, I believe, in my experience, Aveo has done even better on uh, melodigine or root knot nematodes, and you know it's it's compatible. It goes it is it, you know any it doesn't it doesn't discriminate on lesion, root knot nematode, lance, spiral, ring, uh, soybean cyst nematode, uh, reniform nematode. It has efficacy on all these, so you know it's a, it's an excellent product. It's easy to use, and you know it also it, it seems to help stimulate the plant and it gives us kind of like a vigor response on our soybeans. So. It's doing a lot of stuff for us, and especially in the presence of uh, nematodes, which can you know they can really suck up a lot of your carbon from your from your plan and, and hinder your yields. And nematodes can be a big, big issue in soybeans. We're talking with Daniel Dodge here with Valent about uh, their solution of Veo uh, as part of the program. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks, guys. We'll talk more about nematodes and take your calls and questions after this. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. 
Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. It's a hungry world of 8 billion people. Let's not let them down. Commodity Classic is where you'll find innovation in the quest for bigger yields. Join us in Houston for new frontiers in agriculture. February 28th through March 2nd. Learn more at CommodityClassic.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And our discussion revolves around managing soybean cyst nematodes on today's program. Got Matthew Pye with us right now with FMC to talk about this a little bit. How you doing, Matthew? Good. Thanks for having me. All right, we got a chance. We, we do a lot of research here on our farm, and one of the products that we've been looking at here for a couple of years has been Zirinar. Uh, that's that's one of your new ones. Uh, talk to us a little about that product and and how big a part that could play in, in our managing soybean cyst nematode program. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the opportunity. So, yeah, we've had Zirinar. We've been looking at it for uh, quite a few years uh, for nematode management. Um, I'd say, that, like with all biologicals, it's a it's a new tool and piece of your overall strategy. 
Um, this can be coupled with, it's two bacillus strains. It can be coupled with synthetics. Um, obviously, you'll want to have uh, some sort of genetic resistance in there as well. But um, it's a dual mode of action um, against the nematodes. It's got a reduction of the exudates uh, and then also some metabolites that um, keep the, uh, the nematodes at bay. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways we're going about this. And you mentioned, yeah, we want to pair that up with a variety that, that has some resistance as well. Those varieties are not perfect. I've done a lot of digging on, well, Peking, uh, PI8878. I don't care which uh, source of resistance you have in varieties. They still will host some nematodes, and we need some extra help. We need more pieces to the puzzle here to hold this off. Uh, how do you put Zirinar on? What are you What are you recommending there, and and what should growers look for as they they start using this product? Yeah, so um, uh, we we run Zirinar at six fluid ounces uh, per acre uh, in furrow, um, both uh, soybeans and corn, and that is our recommended uh, rate. We've seen the best response uh, with that, um, and again, it can it's fully compatible with rhizobia um, and your say starter fertilizers uh, or other inputs. Um, yeah, so we've, we've seen, we like that rate. Um, if you, if you need additional, um, control, we have partnered it with synthetics as well. You mentioned corn and we're, we were talking about soybeans primarily today, but nematodes can certainly be an issue in corn. And there, there are a number of farmers, especially in continuous corn that have been talking about this, that the, the nematode problem there is, is becoming worse as well. Adding something in furrow like this seems to be a pretty smart move. When you look at two bacillus strains, uh, that that's something too that can grow as the plant does, which which adds a, a length to control as well. Correct. Uh, they are root colonizers, so you're going to get a season-long effect uh, from the product, both in corn and soybeans. And as you said, um, uh, in corn, it is it is that silent yield robber as well. Different species in corn. Um, kind of less less thought of, um, but there in your soil as well. Yeah, I like the the focus here. Again, we're talking with Matthew Pye with FMC, and you say, oh, man, FMC, wait a second. They're a big chemistry provider. Yeah, they're working on the biological side here too, and and we're starting to see some results with some of the, the early releases in that program, Zirinar being one of these products. I mentioned we've been, been uh, working with this and doing some research on this product for a couple of years now. Uh, it's a couple different bacillus strains, but like you mentioned, you can put it with other products, and that, that seems to be a big deal too in this market that, well, I'm, I'm not just going to put that in for, oh, I also have to get my starter out there, or, or maybe I want to use uh, a, a fungicide or some of those things. That compatibility work with all these biological products is, is a big deal too. Correct. Yeah, you want to make sure that it gets there in the soil live and, and happy, and so you've got to always check uh, the product you're using and make sure that it'll be compatible uh, with the other products that you're co-applying. Yeah, we've got some hard water on our farm, and actually we, we've got rural water now, too, that we can utilize where we've got some chlorine in there. So we're always concerned about that. We we do put some additives in as we're mixing in uh, these biological or living-type products uh, to, to uh, take care of the chlorine and also some of the hard water particles, as, as Matthew was saying. we got to make sure we do the best job we can to keep those things alive and don't leave them out in the sun, all those kinds of things that you would normally do with, with living things as well. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Look forward to working with you guys some more too. Thank you. We've got Matt Geiger on with us right now with Syngenta, and uh, we're talking about soybean cyst nematodes here. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Glad to be a part of this. I grew up watching your guys' show, so it's a pleasure to be a part of it. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. I, I know you probably get asked about sudden death syndrome a lot and, and products like Saltro guys say, man, that's just working great for me on sudden death syndrome. But uh, there's more to it than just that. And, and we're talking soybean cyst nematodes today. How big a deal is the soybean cyst nematode component? And I would assume you probably have some people using Saltro just for that reason. Yeah, that's a very good question. So uh, as you guys are aware, it's actually the number one pest um, in soybean production in the U.S. estimated 1.5 billion losses annually. And that seems like a lot, but if you think about all the soybean acres that are out there, and if you have a few bushel loss across, let's just say two-thirds of all those acres, that adds up to a big number, right? So we've noticed that when we do a lot of these on-farm side-by-sides that we're seeing um, some yield gains, even in the absence of sudden death syndrome, and we would equate that into the benefit that you're getting on uh, on nematodes as well. So specifically, I'm uh, going to be SCN. So yeah, we've actually got quite a few customers uh, that will use Salto just to control their nematodes. That's correct. What are you doing with use rates now? And and this is a question we get a lot. Growers will say, okay, do I need more or less for, for one problem versus the other? Or if I've got both nematodes and sudden death syndrome I'm worried about, uh, should I be up in my rate? Yeah, really good question. So we actually just got a label expansion. I think it was this, I think it was earlier this year or last winter. I can't remember the exact date. But the reason that we were looking into that was for areas that have really heavy sudden death syndrome. And also, we also discovered that we get a benefit on red crown rot with those higher rates of Saltro. And uh, that's actually something that we need to be investigating as well on nematodes is what is going to be the dose response of SCN control when you increase that rate of Saltro as well. Because that's something, not something I don't think we've looked at near as much as we've looked at the control of SDS and red crown rot with those higher rates. All right. I, I was talking about this a little bit earlier, but root knot nematode and other um, other damaging nematode species, uh, how big a focus is that on, on the work that you're doing with Saltro? I would say at least in my geography, I'm in southern Illinois. Really the only nematode that we even think about or talk about is going to be uh, SCN. So I can't really speak to the root knot and the lesions. That would be more of a southern thing for us. Um, so I can't really speak to that. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot more things as we get to know all the living things that are down in our soil. There are just billions and billions of them, and we certainly know soybean cyst nematodes are robbing a lot of yield. Uh, you know, when you look at the different sources of resistance in soybean varieties today, PI88788 not working as well as it used to. Certainly, we saw it in a lot of the yield trials this year. There were a lot of Peking varieties that did better, and the seed treatments made a, a a noticeable difference uh, in variety trials as well this year. I, I love that a lot of the trials will also say, hey, here's what was on the seed treatment for each of these varieties. And sometimes you see some things rise to the top there. Saltro certainly was a, a good performing seed treatment this year. Yeah, I would agree. And I think in areas, I almost think about SCN a little bit like you think about corn rootworm. I think it, it starts with a good trait package, in this case, a good gene. And um, then you just need to overlap that with a good seed treatment. So you know, in areas that do have really bad uh, SCN issues, I do think they need to probably look at this Peking gene as well and then stacking that with a seed treatment because you don't just want to choose one thing or the other if you know you've got a problem. Just be like weed resistance, you know, spraying glyphosate over and over got us into trouble. And if you're just attacking this thing with a gene for the last 30, 40 years, you know, we'll get into the problems that we are with P, PI88788 
as you guys know. Yeah, that's that's a great point. If we keep managing things the same way, they're not going to get better. <laughs> they're they're going to get worse over time. And looking into some of these different options like Saltra, which has been a great product for sudden death syndrome, also has an impact on soybean cyst nematode and other nematode species. So uh, certainly something to look at for your soybean program this year. Matt, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a, an approach going after soybean cyst nematodes where you've got to take a number of different steps. Crop rotation makes a big, big difference. I know for some farmers that I've talked to that have a little bit of alfalfa in the rotation, they say, man, I get a problem with soybean cyst nematode or a white mold issue in soybeans. I'm going to just rotate that particular field over to alfalfa just to get away from it for a few years. Or the guys that say, well, I need a few acres of corn on corn. Put them on those fields and, and give give those fields a break from soybeans. We'll talk about a few other things that you could do to reduce your soybean cyst nematode pressure coming up right after this. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Your farm's greatest challenge is making sure your crop has enough fertility to reach its yield goals. But how do you know if you're applying too much of any one nutrient? Fine-tune your fertility plan with Verify. Your combine collects hundreds of yield data points per acre. Verify takes that data and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal. So you can be confident you're not over-applying. Get started today at Verify.com. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. 
A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open if you have an agronomic question at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Been talking about soybean cyst nematodes and how to manage them, but Kenny out in western Colorado has got a little different question. How you doing, Kenny? Good, sir. How are you? Good, good. What can we do for you? Well, I know you're talking about nematode and soybeans, but my question is, what do you know or what do you have to solve a problem of nematodes in alfalfa? Uh, not much, Kenny. Um, there, there, are, <laughs> there, there are basically two things. Number one is rotating away from non-host crops, and it's the same thing we talk about with soybean cyst nematodes. If you rotate away for a few years, you go back, and the nematode counts are way, way lower, and usually you're in a lot better shape. And then the other big thing is just simply planting varieties that have a little more natural tolerance or possibly resistance. But with alfalfa, I mean, there 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 isn't there isn't a lot there, but there certainly are some that that have a little more natural tolerance. And so that's probably what I would suggest if you want to keep raising alfalfa. But I mean, honestly, I'd try to get away from alfalfa for a while because I don't know of any nematicides that are labeled for use in alfalfa. And maybe I'm missing something, Darren. Well, I just don't hear a lot about that. What are you doing right now, Kenny? What are What's your management practice to, to try and help yourself out with the nematodes? Well, so I'm actually a commercial sprayer, so this isn't only for myself. This is for a lot of my customers Sure. As well. Yep. Um, but, you know, those guys really don't have any particular practices. You know, we used to put on pilot, and that helped a little bit. I'm not going to yep. say it was 100% control or anything, but um, it certainly, you know, kept them under control for a little bit. But, you know, since they kind of took away pilot, then that's, that problem has seemed to have gotten just a little bit worse, and I've had... Customers call me and ask me, you know, what we can do about it, and I've kind of told them the same thing, that we're just going to have to rotate through it, but I just wanted to see, means you're kind of talking about it, and I know it's not a soybean question, but I thought maybe I could ask you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, when you talk about pilot, I assume you mean uh, generic chlorpyrifos, right? Yeah, Lord's man. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. So they yep. <laughs> that may be coming back, Kenny. So we're gonna see. Oh. Um, the The courts just basically threw out what the EPA had done and said, no, you have to issue them a label again. So that may oh. be coming back. Now, Lord's man isn't labeled as a, a nematicide, so. I'm not right. expecting that this is going to be some miracle product for you, kind of like you said there. But I, 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 I don't know. This, the, it, it's a real challenge that we've got because there are so many crops where we have nematodes. And, and let me also just say, because I don't know if we've we mentioned this yet on the show today, there are some nematodes out there that don't hurt anything. In fact, quite a few. So it's not like we have to kill all nematodes out there, but there certainly are some species that are harmful. <laughs> if there's some way to target those, that would be super amazing. But yeah, we just, I mean, and it's the same kind of thing where we're talking, you just if you were listening to the show and heard us talk about soybean cyst nematode, 
we don't have some amazing nematicide we can just go spray or use as a seed treatment or anything else. We've got some biological products, but there, there's not much. Now, yeah, uh, there are some varieties that have resistance to stem nematodes, alfalfa stem nematodes, but here's the problem. To qualify as resistant, they just need 51% of the plants to show some level of resistance. Well, that means literally 49% of the plants out in your field could be terrible, but if 51% are yeah. good, they'd call it resistant. So I, I don't know how much faith to have in that. I wish that resistance came with a high level of resistance or just a, a low level of resistance, but they don't normally label them so, that way. I've actually got a customer that tried exactly what you're talking about, Darren. He, he put in a uh, an alfalfa uh, crop that was supposedly supposed to be uh, nematode resistant, and uh, <laughs> he he's got he's got some nematodes. We're yep. in the um, I'm going to say the third or fourth year on it now, and he's he's got nematode on it, and he called me uh, this fall and it was asking me about it, and, and uh, he said it was supposed to be nematode resistant, but it's, we are. Yeah. And uh, so I, I I told him kind of the same thing. I, I I didn't know of anything that we could do to fix it. Um, I did have a customer told me. He he basically tore his alfalfa out, and he put anhydrous on, and it, he thought it helped kill it. He he anhydrous for yep. for a couple of years, and then yep. went back to alfalfa, and he said it did a great job. Yes, and that was one of the things I was going to say. There are some people that will use soil fumigants. And in effect, anhydrous can be that, especially if you're putting on real high rates. It's going to kill everything out there. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you it's going to 100% eliminate all nematodes. If that was the case, most farmers in Iowa who use anhydrous in corn would go back to beans and not have any problem. Well, they still have a problem. Um, there are also some products that we do use that are nematicides, or at least partially, like counter, for example. A lot of times I'll tell farmers when they have a nematode problem in corn, hey, just use counter. It's going to help you at least a little bit for a while, but you know that's a short-term deal, certainly not for use in any perennial crop uh, like alfalfa. So yeah, I... I, I, I don't know. And and there have been more nematodes, nematicides, I should say, that were on the market. Now, not on the market just because they're dangerous. So, I mean, when you're talking about something to kill a nematode, it's, uh, it, it's usually a much more harsh chemistry. That's why it's been nice where at least there are some of these biological options. But unfortunately, a lot of the biologicals aren't providing us this amazing kill or anything like that. More than anything, it's a repellent. So the nematodes stay away. It's kind of like even old furidan. A lot of people used to use furidan uh, before that got banned in corn. Well, that was more of a repellent than an actually, oh, we're going to go out and kill all these nematodes and lower our populations. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough problem, this nematode thing. Yeah, I was just looking up, Kenny. Uh, uh, we planted a couple different alfalfas on our farm here a couple years back, and... And one of them nematode resistant, the other one not. And I thought, I wonder if they do say anything about how much resistance there is. And they give it a 7 out of 9. So I guess maybe I'm better than 50% out on some of our fields. Maybe we're at 70%, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's still not perfect. Still not perfect, yet. Okay, well. That was my question. Thanks for helping out. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks, Kenny. Yeah, I wish we could help you a lot more, Kenny. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> That's I, all right. I'm sure I'll talk to you again. I'll have more questions. <laughs> all, right, all right. Thanks. Sounds good. Uh, get Kevin with us now over in Illinois. And Kevin, you had sent an email in uh, right before Thanksgiving. We hadn't got to you yet. You're you're on 
one of the top ones here on my list, so I, I would have got to you today, but I'm glad you called in. How are you doing? Oh, fine. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Okay, so SDS, uh, you'd mentioned you had some mixed results with Olivo and thought about combining Olivo and Saltro. I think, I wonder, Brian, if this is part of the reason that Saltro got a, a label for uh, an increased use rate in the heavy SDS pressure, if this is part of it, that they're doing okay, but... Uh, if you got super heavy pressure, it wouldn't be a dumb idea to up the rate. Yeah, but let's keep in mind, almost any problem we have in agriculture, um, a lot of our solutions are not 100% solutions. I mean, and they don't last forever. If I'm going to go kill a bug or, I mean, like a nematode, I'm not going to kill it forever. Uh, the higher rate I use, the more product I use, the longer I usually get control. And so that is a part of it, too. But anyway, yeah, it's... And and so specifically to would combining the two be an improvement? I'm sure that it would. Is it going to be enough? So you go, wow, this is amazing. I went from terrible to great. Boy, I don't know. That, I, I mean, when we talk about either cyst nematode or sudden death syndrome, we're going to give you a list of things. And it's I the the first thing that pops into pops on the top of my head is. Uh, white mold, sclerotinia white mold, where I'll literally list 11 or 12 things. And I'll say, look, if you're not willing to do three, four, six of them, whatever, you're probably not going to be like super satisfied because each one can help you a little bit. Just like I would say, Olivo can help you. Saltro can help you. But are they the total solution? No. That's where we go, hey, we got to look at drainage. We have to look at variety. We want to probably even do something foliar with sudden death syndrome. Fortix is labeled at R1. Uh, so it, it a lot of times takes a lot of things there. Hey, Kevin, uh, we're up against a break here. If you want to hang on for us, uh, we can talk just a little bit more about your questions and, and hopefully help you out there. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest-lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an Authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kochia, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield-robbing pests, trade options including Extend Flex and Enlist, Fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio just talking about soybean cyst nematode today. And right before the break, we were visiting with Kevin from Illinois just talking about cyst nematode and sudden death syndrome and just wondering if a combination of Alevo and Saltro might help. Kevin, what other questions do you have? What else can we help you with? Don, just uh, that was it. That's the only thing about the sudden SDS. It seems like... Uh, I get in situations of dry weather, and I start putting water on irrigation systems. You know, 50% of the time, I'll have uh, SDS show up within the perimeter of where it's been watered. How early are you watering? Uh, I generally won't start watering until uh, we start to get into the reproductive cycle. Yeah. Yep, yep, good. Yeah, that's that's often a key that usually helps. But, yeah, the things we're going to talk about with sudden death syndrome, and I mentioned them just a little bit before, before the break, uh, we want to make sure we have good drainage, we have the right seed variety. A lot of people will talk about planting the beans a little bit later. We worry about that because usually when you plant later, you have less yield. So planting later can help a little, but you might be offsetting that with a little lower yield potential too. So I hate to push guys into planting a whole lot later. I mean, now granted, if I had a complete disaster field, yeah, I'd probably save that one for last or something. But variety selection seem, in my, my book seems to make uh, just a tremendous amount of difference. So that's probably what I'm looking at. And I mentioned Fortix also. Not a lot of people do this, but Fortix is actually labeled at R1. So that would be something that could be done as well. Um, just making sure we got good fungicide out there. Uh, seed treatment, you know, the concern I have is Olivo plus Saltra. When we put Olivo on the seed, already we see that the cotyledons get a little, and I'm just going to use the term, and I know it's probably a little too harsh, a little dinged up. So the, the outer edge, they call it the halo effect, um, it will be a little bit yellow. So I'm, I'm just slightly fearful because I haven't done this where we put a full rate of Olivo plus a full rate of Saltro together. I'm just a little concerned that might be a little hard on the seed. I don't know. So I'm not going to tell you, oh, go do a thousand acres of this or something like that before you try it on a small scale. Um, but other than that, I mean, as long as the seed comes out of it okay, the plant gets going, I mean, just having more dosage, 
I have to assume is going to help you. Usually sudden death syndrome starts early in the season, but then mm-hmm. later in the year is when you really see it in the plant. So we, we need to do something early in the season. So I, I get it that a person would want to use more seed treatment or at least a higher rate. Okay, and again, what was the, the foliar you were talking about at R1? Fortix, F-O-R-T-I-X. Yep, Fortix. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay, hey, thank you for your time. You bet. Yep, thanks, Kevin. Good luck. Have a good Oh, and then I cut him off. Sorry about that, Kevin. All right, Darren, you want to okay. get back to you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, hey, wait a second here. Uh, uh, Paul from California just called in and said he's actually had good success with a product called Nematodes Control from Vegilab on alfalfa. Okay, so I have not heard of that one. I'm not familiar with that one or anything. But uh, from our for our caller earlier from Colorado when we were talking about this, I just say. It's nematodes control from Vegilab. It is. It is Omri listed as well. So. So it's got to be a biological then. Yep. But anyway, uh, that may be an option for you. I I I wonder how long that would last. But anyway, I guess we're always looking for more options. And uh, thanks, Paul, for for calling in with that. We appreciate it. I got this one from Tyler over in Minnesota. He's saying, I got a couple of questions for you guys. First of all, corn on corn. Uh, do you see a big difference in soil types that work best for corn and corn? We've got some heavy peat ground and some ground that isn't quite so heavy. Is there a benefit doing corn on corn in the heavy peat? Yeah, uh, on our own farm. I really like continuous corn on our river bottom ground that's very, very heavy soil because it holds a lot of water. And water is going to be your potential biggest limiting factor when we start talking corn on corn. Continuous corn does require more water than if we're in a corn soybean rotation or quite frankly corn rotating with almost anything else. We're raising really good yields and we don't want to suffer. Well, if you don't have enough moisture, you know you're going to suffer. So that's probably the number one reason why I would like the heavier soil. Now that's not to say we can't be successful in other soils. If I had irrigation, quite frankly, I I don't care what soil I'm going in. And look at a lot of the highest yields that have ever been recorded in the history of the world on corn. It's continuous corn. So I know people get frustrated sometimes with raising continuous corn. If you manage it differently and if you can make water at least less of a limiting factor, I'm not that worried about it. We do a lot of continuous corn on our farm and have for years. And even in these last three drought years, most of our fields have been pretty good. It's just you really have to manage every last little detail right. Like for us, what we mismanaged this year was got a little too much manure on, a little too much salt in a dry year kills you. So I'm not blaming anybody other than myself. We screwed it up. Um, we knew what the risks were. We were just trying to help somebody out on the manure thing. But anyway, my point is, I think you could be successful in all soil types, but the reason why I do like the those heavy soils is more water holding capacity. Okay. The other question Tyler had is, how warm does soil have to be so we don't see purple corn in the spring? We're raising corn, navy beans, and soybeans. Typically, we're in rotation. Sometimes we're corn on corn. Where's he from? Uh, central Minnesota. Okay. Um, so we plant, we've been planting our corn when the soil temp's 40 degrees and we don't see any, any purple corn. 
So I, I, I so mean, the, purple corn usually you're short phosphorus. in phosphorus, yeah. and if you're delivering some available phosphorus at planting, that might be a good way to go. If yes. you don't have a lot in your soil, maybe a starter type, pop up type and phosphorus, low rate doesn't have to be a super high rate. Right, can get you through that. Yep, and get more phosphorus in that soil. Period. Your soil needs a lot of phosphorus. Your your crop needs a lot of phosphorus. You know, and so. and sometimes it shows up on a soil test that you have phosphorus. That doesn't necessarily mean it's all available. Right, and especially not available early. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, okay. So John had a question. He said, "Okay, you guys talk about removing the cover crop uh, in the fall. I get what you're saying about this, uh, but I'm wondering, do you get more washouts by removing the cover early?" And wouldn't it be better to wait until spring and then burn it down? Why do you guys like it to die off in the winter? So we want it to die off early so it doesn't use any water or nutrients over the winter or spring. So we have more available to get the next crop started. Now, this is not a big deal if you're in a wet area, for example, and if you have lots of nutrients in your soil. But unfortunately, we're in a dry area, so we get crushed if we have anything growing into the spring. That's that's our concern. Now, in terms of like washouts or any of that kind of stuff, it all depends on when you terminate it. So here, here's what I want you to think about. How much is any crop going to grow once the ground's frozen? Well, it's not growing at all. I don't care if it's a perennial crop. It's still not growing. So as long as I'm terminating shortly before that, I'm not running a whole lot of risk. The plant is still there just like it would have been if it was if I did let it live all the way into the spring. So it's no big deal. Yeah, when you say removing the cover crop, if I'm doing tillage, okay, well, that's a whole different deal. And yes, now I have a lot more risk for erosion and and potential problems that way. But what we're talking about is just terminating it either with frost, like in the case of oats, that's what we did this year, or we actually sprayed a whole bunch of our pre-emerge herbs. In fact, we've got most of our fields done now, probably 80, 80 plus percent done for spring corn and soybeans because it was a late fall and i just said wow we got everything else done this is a miracle we have two weeks here we could spray guys are done with about everything else let's go spray let's get her done so we actually killed off some cover crop we didn't really want or need to do it then but we did and it was just a week or two before freeze up so did that really hurt anything no the cover crop's still standing out there i think we're going to be just fine all right, Weston had a question. If your soil's CEC, cation exchange capacity, is 15, and you say your soil can hold 10 times the CEC, 150 pounds of nitrogen roughly, I've got 50 pounds in my soil of yep. nitrogen already. How long can the soil hold the <laughs> other 100 pounds that we would add? Well, not forever. I know that. And that's that's the thing. That's why when we're talking about this 10 times CEC thing, it's a general statement. Common sense has to be the most important factor you're always using as a farmer. And common sense is going to tell you that the nitrogen is not going to stay in your soil forever because it can't stay in the ammonium form forever attached to that soil. It eventually will turn to nitrate unless you use it. So how long? That all depends on rainfall, soil type crop you're using everything else thanks for the question weston if you really have a more specific that. question ask us you know ask us that later thanks for listening to our show today be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio